Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of A Whole Mood. So last week, we talked about Corey's whole adventure on being a wanderlust and yet a hopeless romantic, and then also her aspirations to kind of move out of the USA. I'm so proud of her, and I will have to say this because when I met up with her in Mobile, like it was a long time since we had met up. I feel like we didn't even talk about our dialogue on how we met up. Me and her were both in like a geometry class, and and she's the one that told me to start singing because she saw something in me. For her to use her love and then project that onto me and really adopt such a great, profound love for music and the arts, I think that was the best gift that she could have gave me. And then us having that bond with our friendship, and even to this day, that friendship still living. But this week, we gonna do a little something a little different here. So I got a very long time friend here. Now, I always say this. Every episode is always a long time friend, but no, this one's like pretty, pretty long. We got another Virgo, y'all. Oh my God. <laughs> another one. Yeah, so this one, I don't really want to say too much because if I say too much, it's going to give too much of his story. I hope you guys get a good lesson on what we got going on. I want to introduce to you guys. I don't even know how to introduce you because people mm. call him Clinton. But I don't call him Clinton. That's his daddy to me. I call him CJ. So hi, CJ. Hello, Alan. As the people in Mobile call you, but Alan, oh AK-47. Only you the one that only called me AK-47. You, 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 you named all my names. I might as well name yours. Well, I don't know, because I don't know if people even refer to you as CJ. I don't know too people many do. people. I, I tell people... Now that I'm living back here in Mobile, if most people call me CJ, that means they probably known me since I was growing up and have known me for a long time. If they call right. me Clinton, they know this new me, this new back in Mobile Ooh. since many 18 me. Yeah, because I think when we had met up for brunch, when I came down, so he's the one I went to brunch with, y'all. If y'all heard my episode, two episodes back, when we had met up with somebody across the table from us, I was like, this is so weird because I don't know you as Clinton. Like, you're not Clinton to me. I'm whatever you need me to be. Oh, my God. I beg to differ on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But nah, but CJ got a testimony, y'all. And he All coming right, through man. on the testimony. He about to testify. Okay. So, Can I preface something? Uh-oh. Here we go. Here we go. For everybody All right. Let's do it. You know, this is my first time ever doing this. I'm looking at what he's titled this episode. <laughs> So that might tell you that I'm also a little hesitant that he would not tell me any questions he's going to ask me. No. He told me it's all going to be on the spot. So yeah. since it's a testimony, y'all go ahead and pray for me before we get started. Oh, absolutely. Just, just pray well, you and know, me up, people. You know, I feel, I feel it in your spirit. I just yeah. feel like the story Somebody. that you're about to tell me, you're about to just tell me this lifelong weight that's been holding on your back, and you're just about to just lay it out on this doggone show. I so feel you, it. So, I you feel lie, it. so you lie to these people. I see. Okay, let's go. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> on the contrary, what we're going to talk about is Guarded. This episode is called Guarded. From what I know of witnessing what CJ's background, CJ is a PK, a preacher's kid. And so with that said, we also have a friend of the show, JT, who's also a preacher's kid. 
and what that looks like, what that feels like, and how does that play as the day-to-day, even growing up? Because I feel like that dynamic, I wouldn't even know what that's like for an entire community to know who you are, to even watch you grow up, to set these standards based on how your parent chose to live their life or whatever career path your parents chose and to have those expectations permeate down to you, I can't even empathize. I don't even know what that's like. So I would want to first ask the question, when did you feel the pressure of being the PK kid? What was that first experience like? I'm, I'm going to say something before I go into that one. Is one, you said PK okay. preacher's kid. I would venture to say there is probably a difference between being a pastor's kid and a preacher's okay. kid. Okay. Well, school me. When your father is up there as the main attraction, mm. being after Jesus, versus the one who preaches a sermon every once a quarter. Or just oh, teaches Sunday school. So, got it. So let's go with the pastor's kid. I got you. I'm going to sit here and say, I don't necessarily know if I can point out a specific time. Unlike my sisters, in the sense of my oldest sister, my father was not called into ministry when she was born. And my second sister, he wasn't either. I was the only one who fully grew up in that that position of he was a pastor and I was the one born into that life, so to speak. So I don't necessarily could tell you the time it, it clicked on me that I was one because I've always been one. Well, no, I don't like a situation where it was like, oh, I can't act this way or, oh, I can't do this because of what age were you when you feel like there was a situation you feel like you were watched or you felt like you had to monitor yourself. Mm, like I said, I feel like my whole life. I would say is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back along to, to, you probably remember we, we used to be in the old church and you know, the kids, we always used to sit in the balcony on the top right-hand side. Yeah. On the top right-hand side, we, we would sit in the balcony and, you know, we would talk, we would pass notes, but we know that's just where you sat. Maybe middle school, maybe about 10, 11 years old, maybe I was fifth grade, sixth grade. I remember I was talking, you know, all the other kids were joking or whatever. We had laughed, you know, talking just like you do at church. And I think someone came over and was like, you know, we expect this from other people, CJ. We don't expect this from you. You know, you should know better. You should know better since your father is the is the pastor of this church. So I would say probably mm. this put me at about that fifth, sixth grade age range, 10, 11, when I got called out. It was okay for them to be kids, but I should know better. Mm. Okay, and that happened in church. Most of my experiences happened in church. I would just say you'll be surprised <laughs> at what people will think they can say or get away with. And I would say that I let them get away with for a long time. Got it. And so as far as like the household, what did that look like? Spending majority of your time at church versus at home? I think when people have a wrong connotation, when they think of, a traditional pastor and his family, his children. We were not at church every day of the week. We were not at BTU and Bible study. And, you know, we participated, but my father has always had the mindset and he's always said, you know, the Lord called him. He didn't call his family. Now we are put in that position just because of what his position, but we were a normal family. Sundays, you just knew you were going to Sunday school. You knew you were going to church. You knew if daddy had a three o'clock service, you were going there. But during the week, it was just a normal family. You know, I did come to Bible study. But at one point, I would go over to my friend's house to finish my homework because my mother wanted me to get my homework finished before Bible study because I might not have had it finished if I had come to church. So I don't think necessarily I came to church all the time. But I will say it's probably a second home to me, too, uh, is I feel just as comfortable at church as I do. I'll say, let me see, I say as I do in my home because I'm sitting here talking to you while I have a drink in my hand to make sure that I answer your questions <laughs> with, without this guardedness <laughs> that you have titled me on. These Virgos, they, they like to tell you they're not guarded, but... That's their version of not guarding. 
But anyway, your dad was a public figure in the community of Mobile. And I remember like when I was little, I'm like, oh my God, why is he on TV? But then seeing that and then growing up in that, it's like, I never thought what that looked like as far as growing up in Mobile. So did you ever have any situation where you couldn't grow up or be yourself in Mobile? Yes. When I graduated high school and I went to college, I would tell anybody and everybody I was never coming back to Mobile. Wow. Never coming back to Mobile. I remember when when I got my first job with Alabama Power, I was like, I would go work anywhere in this company but Mobile. And why is that? I mean, you grow up, I'm a junior. And like you said, my father, by being the first black on the city council here and the first black president, he pastors one of the larger congregations, I guess you could say, in Mobile. As my boss likes to say now, I mean, she used to joke and say, you're like black royalty. We go places and everybody knows your name. And I would say, yeah, they know my father. They don't know me. They just hear my name and they assume they know me. I would give an example of I remember in high school when I went to the floor and they would have the, you know, what was it? The, the Greek organizations they had, like the IKS. Talking about the IK side parties, kind of the Kappa League parties. Yes, all that kind of stuff. And I would show up and I remember someone said, your dad will let you come here. And I was like, well, what do you think we do? Sit at home and read the Bible all day? We don't sit oh, in well. a circle and pray all day, every day. He does let us have yeah. a life. And so just people thinking that, or even coming home from college, you know, I would joke that if I went somewhere with my friends, if I, I'm 19, if I went to a club in Mobile, it used to be a club that had boxing night, fight night on Fridays, and they would let the drunk people get in the boxing ring and fight each other. And I used to love to go watch them. I got home that night and my dad was like, I heard you out there at the at the club. And he started, we were just laughing. I was like, how you know? He said, somebody, so-and-so saw you and told their mama, and the mama called your mama and told me. And I was like, my God, I can't even go out and people not calling my mom. I'm 19 to tell them where I'm at. Yeah. Well, I could say, like, your dad was always a personable person, especially with his congregation as well. He might not have known nobody's name, but he knew their face. <laughs> and I can empathize with that as well, because I'm very much that same personality. Your daddy, his birthday not too far from mine. He's a Pisces. But what I could say with that, your dad, there were times where he allowed, like, the congregation, if there was, like, an event, he would party with his congregation. He allowed people to be people. I guess there would be some empathetic part of him to allow his family to be whoever they was or whoever they was comfortable being. So with that said, when did you grow up to finally be comfortable being CJ? And with that said, a follow-up question to say, who is CJ today? Ooh. You didn't tell me I was going to have to think about this. You could have told me to go to my therapist this morning before I came on here with you so I could have gotten some of these answers. <laughs> oh, you need answers from your therapist? I need answers there. from my therapist. I need to work through this. I would truly say I probably did not. I think I told someone else this. Turning 30 was great for me. It was. Fact, I witnessed that. I don't know what it is that clicked. I don't know what it is, the button that came on, the switch that came on. But that's when I decided that while everybody else had, you know, enjoyed their 20s. And let me take it back. I enjoyed my 20s. My child was born in my 20s. I, I loved my 20s. I had a, I bought my first house. I got a job. I had great friends. However, I would not let myself do things or live because I was still concerned in some aspect of what people would think, what others would think. And so I think when I was about 29, like I got off all social media and I turned 30 and really just started enjoying life, so to speak. And I'll say I still hold myself back a little bit, but definitely not as much as I did growing up. Now that I'm back in Mobile, I have to be cognizant of the fact that I'm a grown up. 
you know, I'm an adult male. I, sometimes I feel like I revert back to that childhood me sometimes just because, you know, you walk in the church and dad is still the pastor there and everything and people still know you from growing up. I can tend to revert back to, as they say, not letting my light shine, you know, kind of reverting back to that childhood. But I would say 30 is when CJ started accepting who CJ was, so to speak. Okay, so wait. Before you answer that follow-up question, I noticed a switch. I'm trying to answer. I thought we were going to do it. No, we not. Because I remember. Because I know who I'm with. I'm with a Virgo <laughs> right now. So, in the beginning, where you were saying, you was like, y'all were allowed to do whatever. But yet, you say there are memories where you felt like you weren't able to do certain things. So, that's the piece that I'm trying to... So, what did that look like? The childhood CJ, where it's like you felt limited to whatever it is that you couldn't do. Ooh. That's a good one. I'll say limited. I'll say cognizant of, say, growing up, I was very keen on the fact that what I did reflected upon my parents. So I couldn't get out the car on a Sunday and have a bad attitude with my parents. My mother might not remember this, but I remember growing up, and let's say we had argued in the car, we had argued at home about something. I was in a bad mood. Typical teenager stuff. We would get to church, and my mother would say, now you're getting out this car, you better put a smile on your face. And when we get back in the car, you can you can get mad at me and your dad how you want to, but you better not get out this car and let anybody else see this attitude on you. I would say that that, to this day, still somewhat, Alan, you know me well, is I can put on a great face. You're never going to know how uh -huh. my feelings are. You're going to only see positive, happy me in the public because that is just the persona. And 90% of the time, that is me. I, I am a positive, joyful person. In the sense, but that is all you will see as I put forward. So, I, can I give you an example of something that I remember? My, my uncle Bubba, little rest of soul. My uncle Bubba dated this woman, and I cannot remember her name for the life of me. But she went to the church for a little while. She came over to my grandmother's house one holiday, and so my family likes to play cards. We like to play spades. We like to play pluck. They like to play bid whiz. But anyway, we were just sitting around the table. My dad was playing cards with. My uncle and my cousin and my sister, I think, we were just playing cards. Everybody was having a good time listening to music. And she came over and I remember she said, well, I can't believe the pastor is sitting here playing cards. That's one of the things I've heard people say little stuff like that throughout the time. And it's, it made me say even the stuff that is not a sin. I'll get on my soapbox and say, you know, Christians like to make sins up that Jesus never said was a sin. But just knowing how people reacted to us doing simple stuff that anybody did, any family did when they got together, that you couldn't do that because you the past made me cognizant of, we just didn't invite people over. Like for me to have people at my house is, to this day, is far and few between because I'm just, my space is my guarded space. That's understandable. And I'm going to go ahead and shed a little light on you because to your point in saying when you turn 30 at Click, you are the main example for me in seeing that. Because we had connected around the time when you had just turned 30 and I was able to see what that looked like. And you are the reason why I began to get excited to turn 30 because it did <laughs> seem like as soon as you turned 30, like life just started working for you. And I said this like a year ago when I, I was like, listen, I've seen it. I know that it's going to work out for me because, you know, you were that example for me. So I could I could attest to that. All right. Come on, Jesus. Let me be an example. Of it. <laughs> right. All right. So we're going to go back to the follow up question. I don't remember. In, follow up. I think you're making this up. Can you can you rewind? This okay. Make sure you're not lying. Well, I will remind <laughs> you. I will refresh that memory, that 30 plus year old memory. Ooh, it's rough around here in these streets. Who is CJ today? In what aspect? 
CJ is a multifaceted individual. As in identity, as in comfort, as in living your best life and living freely as CJ. Oh, that's a good one. I believe it's my constitutional right to plead the field on any question I don't want to answer. And I don't understand why you don't want to answer who is CJ. What is to be ashamed of? Is you? Nothing to be ashamed. What is Are we CJ... going back to old habits? Yes. Are we what going CJ... back to old habits, CJ? <laughs> <laughs> what if CJ is still trying to figure out who CJ is at this point you. in my life? Can I come back and answer the question when I turn 40? Maybe another lighter switch on for me okay. to answer your question since it's not specific. CJ is someone who loves his family, someone who loves people. Mm -hmm. I would like to think that I have a genuine heart. I'll take your title. It's a little guarded. But to those he lets in, I am loyal and true to let you in. But I'm interested and curious to know, well, who do you let in, CJ? I mean, I sign NDAs with people, so I can't see him just start naming Hey, sitting here start naming off names. This is going down for record. You trying to get me to reveal people's names. <laughs> I ain't signed no NDA, y'all. Okay. That's his problem. He didn't sign one. I sign, I make sure. No. I let people in. I will say this is majority of my friendships are long lasting. Mm-hmm. I've met new people since I moved to Mobile, of course, since I moved back because people I grew up with are no longer here. But in general, I'll use my friend Hiron, who I've known since she was in kindergarten and I was in first grade is married to one of my best friends from college that I met in 2004. My good friend Lee, I'm, I'm God daddy her children and she's the God mama to my daughter. We've known each other since sixth grade. So I have a good 30 year friendships, 15 year friendships, 10 year friendships of people. If I call you my friend, then usually we're going to be friends for a lifetime or for a long time. I will text the mess out of you, but I'm whoever to pick up a phone and call you and talk to you on a consistent basis. But each one of my friend group, when I pick up a phone or we get together, time has not elapsed, time has not passed. We can pick up exactly where we left off. It is like we never left off anywhere. It's like we just saw each other the day before, and it could have been five years ago. Yeah. What would it take for somebody to break that guard down for you? So these friends, because I remember you said this to me at brunch where you said, like, there are certain friends that you have that you don't mind telling everything to. So- what attributes about those said friends do you feel like leads you to break that guard down? The easiest way I would say is building the trust between each other. My friends do not talk about other people. That's one attribute I truly look at because if we just met or if we're friends and you'll talk bad about a friend you've had longer or a mutual friend, if you'll talk bad about them to me, then I know you'll talk bad about me to them. I look at how you treat your friends. I look at your station in life. And when I say your station in life is... I'm not saying you have to have a great job. I'm not saying you have to be a master's PhD degree level. What I'm saying is I'm looking at how you're living your life. You know, are you one person who's always complaining and blaming others for where you are? Or are you accepting of the fact that even if you're not in a place you want to be, are you making those necessary changes? And then friends with a genuine heart. A good friend has to be able to genuinely care about people and not just people that are their friends. They need to be able to care about the children who were killed in the, they didn't know the children, but who were killed at the school. And then is when we're together, am I just comfortable around you? To be a friend, I don't need to feel like you're going to post everything on social media. Can we just enjoy the moment and enjoy being together? I think that signifies a good friendship.
Absolutely. So what age were you, when you were telling me this story about you writing this letter, those watchful eyes. And so those watchful eyes, meaning living under the microscope of the community that you were in because of what you grew up as. Tell me what that was like. My God, you have a good memory. My Mm -hmm. goodness. Let me go take me some ginkgo biloba. I need something to be on your level (laughs) (laughs) to do this. I wrote that I was a Senate page for Senator Shelby my junior year in high school. And so I moved to D.C. that second semester from January to June. I moved to D.C. and I was taking an AP English class while I was in D.C. because we went to school and we had to write an essay about ourselves. I wrote a nice little paper called Those Watchful Eyes. I wish I could go back and find it. I wish I could find it. But yes. I wrote it based on, I guess you could say it was a short story of growing up as a PK with parents in the limelight, so to speak, of their community and how it was to grow up in that aspect. I was, what, 16, 17 years old. So with that said, so at 16, 17, being inspired to write that, what was that version of CJ hiding? Hmm. Because, I I mean, when you're guarding something, you're guarding something. You're protecting something. You're hiding something. I would say nothing nefarious or anything like that. I would just say is kind of how we said earlier is when you see that you can't let people see you do regular stuff. People can't see you play cards or like every teenager. I've skipped school. If you listen to certain type of music, if you didn't dress like this when you came to church, you know, everything you did was under a microscope in college. That is the time you are finding yourself and who you are to be, so to speak, as a person. Now, we all know as we get older, through our 20s and our 30s, we change, we develop, we grow, we learn. Some days I'm still an 18-year-old kid. Some days I'm a 38-year-old man. Some days I'm 26. It just depends now at this age. But (laughs) during those teenage years, you're growing up. So sometimes the mistakes that other teenagers were able to make, those mistakes that other kids were able to do, those rebellious things, I never did. Or I was always cognizant of, oh, maybe I should not do that. Partly because my sister took all the rebellious streak out of all of us. She took all the good yeah. stuff. Yeah, I ain't want to bring that up. Oh, yeah. bring her, bring her but behind she, in here. But she, but she was the quintessential, like, PK kid type of middle thing. Child, where it's like, and middle child syndrome. Yeah, and the teen mom and all of that stuff. And this is not in y'all's case, but I'm just saying for pastors, where they begin to hide their children because they're ashamed of what happened. Now, that's one thing I would say. My father has never been ashamed of that. I remember, I won't say this person's name, but a family that grew up in the church, one of the young ladies got pregnant and she was in the youth choir. And I probably was elementary school, probably at this time, early middle school. And I remember they wanted her to come in front of the church and apologize. They didn't want my dad to let her sing in the youth choir because she was set, it looked bad and she was setting a bad example. Yeah, and them relatives of mine. So exactly, they relatives of yours. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so I remember, <laughs> I remember this day like it was yesterday. It was a third Sunday. For those of you who don't know, youth Sunday was third Sunday at our church. Yeah. And I was an usher because unlike Alun, nobody wants to hear me sing even in a microphone or in a shower. Nobody wants to hear this voice at all. We were the head ushers. My dad was the pastor. His dad was a deacon. So we had the main door. The other people took the side door. But I remember my dad got up there and he said, I'm not going to make her stop singing a choir. She's not going to apologize. And he said, some of y'all did what she did to get pregnant. Y'all did that this morning and you not even married either before you got to church. Some of you married did it last night 
to somebody you ain't married to. The difference is you all know what to do to not get pregnant. So I'm not going to punish her or make her do something unless each one of y'all going to get up here and apologize for every one of your sins. The only difference is you, what you are saying is a sin. You can see hers on her and you can't see yours because you over here, you dressed up with your makeup on with your pretty hat. That sticks to my mind to this day of, oh, okay. I kind of like my dad. Amazing. And like what I said, I mean, your dad was very personable. That pretty much proves and shows how true he was in his work that he was doing. So with that said, CJ, today, what is he hiding? I don't think I protect or hide anything from people who know me. Okay. But I'm also a person who does not believe that everyone should not get the access to you that everyone has. Just because I go to work every day doesn't mean everybody who comes into my office should have full access to every part of my life. And I would think the same thing of, of Beyonce. Just because she, she sings and acts and is a movie star or a Grammy Award winning artist doesn't mean you get access to her day-to-day -day life. She has a job to do. What is CJ hiding depends on who you ask. If you don't know me, oh, then I'm hiding everything. Oh, All you're going to know is, is what I put on social media or what you read in my bio. But if you oh, know me, if you're one of my friends, I'm probably not hiding anything from you. I'm going to say this. This is a token for me and what my therapist told me because my therapist be reading my life, y'all. So what she said is I have a sense of preservation when it comes to expressing myself in real time out of fear of rejection. And I can agree with that only because I do keep my composure as it relates to anger or sadness, quote unquote, lashing out is what I fear and what I hide out of fear of rejection that somebody can't take that when that happens. And so mm -hmm. I feel like we all have some guardedness when it comes to either a preservation of self, a preservation of ego, a preservation of that little kid that's still living in us, that's adopting old habits, even to this day, out of fear of something, whether if it's rejection, whether if it's self-image. I literally, you froze up, so I missed like the last like 28 seconds you said. Last thing I heard you say was your therapist. How convenient. Blame Xfinity, blame AT&T, blame Jesus, but do not blame me. I do not control these airways. Listen, maybe the Lord knew what you were talking about and said, okay, you don't need to hear this, CJ. And he protected and shielded me. Shundo. All right. Well, yes. Well, let's move on to reflection question because the Virgo is Virgoing right now. So question number one, what is the one thing people assume about you that you wish was true? Mm, dang it. Now you're going to make me open up with the insecurity. Dang it. I would say people assume that I am an extrovert and very confident in myself. I've taken plenty of Myers-Briggs and all those tests is I am a true introvert in every sense of the word. I have very good extrovert tendencies. As I said earlier, I can put on a face and do what I need to do to get the job done. When I say the confident, I don't mean like I'm not confident in myself or my ability. Yes, I have a little social anxiety. Like to, if I'm going to walk into a room with a bunch of people I don't know, like I have to pump myself up in a car. Right now, I'm doing something with you that I've never done before. Alan knows that it's completely out of my element. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's probably trying to read my face to see if he keeps making me uncomfortable with some of his questions. Uh, <laughs> he can see me, y'all. Y'all hear my voice, but he's looking at me. No, but here's the thing, though. CJ always feel like something that I do is always this project of expose, and it's not. Like, I'm literally just trying to have a conversation. 
and he keep dodging and avoiding it, but I'm gonna keep bringing that shit back up. That's really <laughs> what it's getting. I every doggone question tonight. Uh-huh. No, but uh, I would just say I probably think I can dress better, like anybody else. I could look a little better. I can do all that kind. Of yeah, stuff. I side with you on that. Where people don't really understand when they start assuming that you know you're this outgoing individual and you have an outgoing personality that they look at you as this extroverted being, but they don't realize like you have to put that switch on. And then once mm-hmm. it's off, it's like, that's when you have to kind of plug yourself back up and recharge. I'm very much that personality. I don't necessarily have to go outside. Now, if you drag me and pull my hand and make yeah. me go, I'm gonna make the best out of that situation. But all my while, while I'm out, I'm ready to go back home, low key. Let me tell you the best thing that happened to me was freaking COVID. I loved it. I thrived. You mean to tell me I didn't have to tell people I didn't want to go anywhere and make up an excuse? I literally had the ultimate excuse and I could sit in my house all day and do what I want to do. I love this quarantine. Don't get me wrong. I like social interaction. So, you know, I can get my social interaction on FaceTime or Zoom with my friends after work on the weekend and reconnect with people. But it was nice that nobody was trying to say, I didn't have to go here at night. I didn't have to go to this dinner. I didn't have, it was nice to truly have time with myself. Yes. And I will say like my challenge was to be more social and to be more active outside. And I've been fulfilling that to the point where I'm exhausted right now. Every day is something to do. And I appreciate it. I mean, I even dragged you out when you came here. Can we take a 30 second detour to how I felt so old when Alun pulled me out? Oh my God. Let's Why? Let's just say this here. We went to these two or three places. They everybody was showing ID, and we go to the first place. And the man says, the "Man says, no offense, but you look old enough to come in here." And the second place, I pulled out. He says, "I'm sorry, we don't need to see that from you." Like, how old do I look? That they, <laughs> that a lot is thirty. A lot is it? A lot. How old are you, a lot? I'm thirty-one. Thirty. Freaking one. They're acting like I'm freaking 20 years old alone. We are both in our 30s, but they are still carting him because I got this gray hair in my beard. They are telling me, oh, you look like you you can blow on And here. then so you started talking it. foolishness like you're going to dye your beard. Like, get out of here. Stop doing that. No. <laughs> I might dye my beard. I mean, listen, my birthday's coming up in September. I might want to shake things up. Let me be oh me. Oh, my God. And see, here's that thing. Uh-uh. See, we're going go to go all the way off box. the Richter here. I'm going to tell this, and I'm going to say this. Why is it that men always feel like they got to do something out the ordinary on their doggone birthday? You be seeing bald men with toupees and lineups all of a sudden. No, leave it where it's at. Be you. Because a birthday is like the new year. I don't make New Year's resolutions or something, but on your birthday, that's for New Year. But technically, you didn't do anything on your birthday but not die. Let's celebrate now. And and I'm going to just say that that is a pet peeve of mine. Men who bald... They go and get these hair pieces and it look like they got hair and then they line up still don't be looking natural as I don't know what. I don't get that. If it's gone, let it be gone. This hair does not look good with our hair on. Oh my God. Whatever, because you've never been bald. When I play Anyway, I'm going to answer this first question. We going all the way off topic. (laughs) So where people assume that I'm out here living this glamorous life, I wish that shit was true because it's hard work living my life. <laughs> and I mean, I will say there are some aspects that are glamorous that I don't take for granted, but it's hard work. And it's a lot of risks that I take. It ain't fun and games. 
Y'all should see his face. He is feeling this right now. I mean, he is feeling this piece right here. Listen, you new to this. I am true to this. Okay. <laughs> Number two, <laughs> what is the one thing people assume about you that you wish wasn't true? But they assume it, doesn't that mean it's not true anyway? It might be an assumption to them, but you mm. know it's true about you. Ooh, you answer that first. I don't know. Look, dang it. Here that's go. good. Ooh, that's okay. No, for real, I really don't know that one. Okay. So I would say what is true about me that people normally assume I am difficult. I am a complex individual. And I embrace that now more than ever, where again, out of fear of rejection. I used to repel that where people are like, Alon, you are difficult, or Alon, you make shit too complicated, or Alon, you hard. Yes, I am. I'm all those things. That is so true that people assume that because mm. I'm complex. So you have to satisfy that. Get on my level if you want to be around me. No basic hoe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say what we've titled this episode Guarded. People assume I am, and I wish I did let people in more. I'm very easy to get to know superficially, but I wish I was a little easier and let people in a little. Maybe I would have a, a good day in life if I did that by now. Let's move on. That better no. not be question number three, though. No, I don't have anything <laughs> dealing with your dating life because I know God, you're guarded as fuck. Hence the episode. Thank you, Issa Rae. You are just like me. I wish I wasn't layered and complicated and difficult and whatnot. That way I can probably get along with more people than the small circle that I have. You see, I get along with everyone. I, I do too. I get along with everyone, but I don't get along with everyone on the same level is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, that's not how the world is set up and people are set up. Everybody is not supposed to be on the same level. I mean, shit, look at, damn it, I done made it this whole episode without cursing. I wait to the 49th minute to start. <laughs> I think I had started because we both weren't cussing for a long minute. You you, you started at minute seven. You been started. Don't act, oh. like you just, don't act like it just came out. Even in the world in general, we are segregated along so many different lines that there are different levels of interaction and different levels of people anyway. And everyone is not on the same level, so to speak. Yes. Next question. Yes. What's my next reflection? This is my show, not yours. Oh, I'm sorry. Number three, when was the last time you lied to protect your image? <laughs> I'm going to say this. I pride myself on not lying, but I give you, you the answer. I deflect very well. I very you well. Do. If there is a way for me to Distract give you a correct you. answer without me lying to you, you ask a generalized question and not specific, specific, then I'm going to answer your question in a very generalized manner. So I say that to say is, I don't know if I necessarily have lied. I tell you the truth or I just deflect and don't answer. So I don't have to lie to you. Okay, but the question was wing in. I don't remember because I don't do it. If you had got these damn context clues, I don't That's a lie within itself right there. So I guess you can say literally (laughs) less than a second ago. 30 seconds ago, I lied. No, I don't know the last time I lied to protect my image. (laughs) This is what I deal with on a daily with this one, (laughs) y'all. This is what everybody deals with on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. But can I just, can we point out something? In the grand scheme, having me around is worth it, though. Let's be honest. Yes. No, I love CJ. I do. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Have me around is work, yes. even in my sarcastic, assholeish way. You're not an asshole. You a smart ass. You're right. Maybe that's what I should wish. That should have been my answer for number two. People assume I'm oh, an whatever. asshole. Whatever. 
And I wish I wasn't such an asshole as for her. Uh-huh. Nah, no, that was a great I, resolution to the episode, though. Number two was great for you, that you wish you wasn't guarded. I love that. I love how you did that. Honestly, to number three, let's just say I put on a facade every day, so probably to somebody, I'm always lying. Well, that's a daily lie then. I lie every day. Not intentionally. Let's but sit I, in that. I am the person I need to be to get the job done. But I'm always a part of me. You just don't get the full me. What did you say at the beginning? Some people call you Clint. Some people call you CJ. I am two different people, one and the same, though. But oh some days you're going to get fully Clinton, and some days you're going to get Are CJ. you ever exhausted of that, though? Yes, that's why I take naps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. I feel like I don't take myself seriously enough when it comes to that. Like, I, I'm... I'm pretty truthful when, as it pertains to myself. But I feel like just like CJ, I do have a knack for going around the truth in some aspects. If I don't want to answer something, like I'm very good at answering it in a way where you feel like I answered it, but really I didn't even scratch the surface. See, that's a hard one. I love that workaround you just did. You just lied. I like, how come when I say something like that, I'm a liar, but you can do this whole workaround. And make it make it do what you want to do. Move what on to what exactly is that? Because I literally just talked myself through this. You just said that you never lied when the whole story of this whole episode is about you living this untruth about yourself. <laughs> that is not a, the persona that you give people is not an untruth. <laughs> it is an aspect of you. Like I said, everyone does not deserve all of you. And that is what's wrong with people today. That is why I believe suicide rates are up. That is why yeah. I believe mental health issues and people, we need to speak about mental health to people because social media has given people this false sense that they need to let people into every damn aspect of their life. Mm-hmm. And that is yeah. not what you should be doing because they're going to, no matter what you do, you're going to either have people for you or people against you. And if you start letting all that negativity in, because guess what? Negative people and the people against you are always going to be louder, are always going to be the loudest and the ones speaking the most. And so when you see that and hear that, and then you want to start comparing your life to these people who are making up this shit they are doing on Instagram every day of the week, Ain't nobody in damn Bahamas on this Wednesday, the Virgin Islands on Saturday, and Jamaica yeah. next Tuesday, and California next Friday. They are at damn work in their office in a cubicle mad as hell, just like everybody else that is hot as hell outside. <laughs> I dated somebody like that, where it's like, when things are going good, you only see them on their stories, or on their postings. But then when things are bad, they gone ghost for like months on end. Exactly. Yeah. And then there's also this viral video that went out of this lady sitting. She just sitting, chilling, minding her business. And somebody asked her, what you doing? She was like, can't I just have for myself some things you need for yourself? Number four, how often do you admit you were wrong? Let me hear you lie on this. You didn't say who I admitted to. I might admit it to myself. I might not tell the other damn person I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that. No. Exactly. You ain't going to admit it out loud. I know that's for sure. I do admit it out loud. Like, CJ, why the hell you did that? You know you were wrong for that mm-hmm. shit. But I might not tell the other person. You didn't say who I admitted it to. I admit it daily when I'm wrong. I just might only be to myself. I try to always admit when I'm wrong. 
again, I try to like really kill that ego. Ego is like a main thing for me because I feel like it's the most dangerous thing. Ego really be tripping a lot of people up and having them do a lot of stupid stuff. So I feel like that's the main thing that I feel like I should kill. Number five, is it your fear of commitment or your fear of intimacy that makes you shut down more? Mm. I'm going to go with intimacy. Damn. Hmm, that's deep. I'm going to say intimacy because when I think of intimacy, I think of truly letting someone in and truly letting people see every aspect of you, the good and the bad, hoping that they have that agape love for you, mm. that they accept any and everything you tell them. So I would say it's the, the fear of intimacy way more than the fear of commitment. Because you can be committed to someone and not truly. I'm committed to some friends that don't truly know me. I'm committed to my job. The commitment problem is not the issue. I would say the intimacy problem. Wow. That's commendable, CJ. That's the first time I was like, I felt that. 59 minutes. Finally got me an outer boy. It's about yeah, time. I'm, exactly. Because he's been talking some bull. <laughs> he's been oh, trying to truth. skate through all of my questions that was the first question he actually opened up i like that <laughs> i guess for me i guess it would have to be fear of commitment at this point as it relates to right now i would say in some aspects maybe i don't trust myself it's a second guess in making sure that i'm making the right decision on who i'm choosing because i can be intimate with anybody i have no problem with being intimate but the commitment part is uh, undertaking only because of that battle of like really, truly trusting myself. Can, can I ask you a follow-up question to your question now? Sure. Mm -hmm. So for you, are you viewing intimacy as just a sexual act? No. Like you can be intimate. Like how are you, because you say you can be intimate with anyone, but you can't be committed. Like what's your view on intimacy right. on that? Yeah, intimacy to me, it could be vulnerability, it could be transparency. Like I, I feel like I can do that with anybody. I, I have the capability to do that with anybody who is willing to accept that part of me. Like what I said, I feel like the commitment piece, because of my past and my journeys, maybe I don't trust myself to actually fully commit until I actually see it and feel it for myself and be convinced for myself. Okay. Does that answer your question? That answers my question. I'm good now. All right. So last question. Last What's question. the most toxic thing about yourself you actually kind of <laughs> secretly like? <laughs> That's a good one. The most toxic thing about myself. Actually got you a deep thought. It's the fact that I you got you a deep thought. <laughs> I know I'm doing the work of God here, right here. Whoa. Oh, oh Jesus. CJ is witty. He'll come up with some bullshit real quick. <laughs> the fact that he actually thinking about this shit, I know I'm doing something right here. This is this is amazing. I was trying not to come up with something witty. I was I wasn't trying yeah. to be fast. <laughs> But then I really started thinking about all the toxic shit I do and I started laughing. Yeah. So I try, I try to. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I'm trying to think of what I like that I do. Your favorite most toxic. The most favorite. <laughs> yes, right. My favorite most toxic. <laughs> Wait, I am not a toxic person. I'm really just sitting here. Just, I'm really trying okay, to. You a Virgo. You know, people, Virgos are toxic. People use that word so much. It's, it's feel like, I feel like it's lost its meaning. Some Can people don't not, know what it means. Yeah. Can we not all have our own view of things? You can't. You can't just say, you could say, in my opinion, I don't think they have. I told you what I believed. I didn't ask you what you believed on that day. Mm-hmm. But what's your what's your definition of toxic? Let's hear it. My definition of toxic is something that you know ain't good and you know don't suit you or anybody else, but it's only at the convenience of yourself that you still choose that same trait okay, about Okay, listen. Okay. My second, third, most honest moment tonight. No, it's really. I've been, mm-hmm. I've been really honest with you. <laughs> yeah, um, he has. Is people I know I'm not going to talk to ever. Like, I know nothing is ever going to come from this. I get good energy vibes from people. One conversation within a quick 10, 20 minute interaction, I can truly tell if you're good or if I need to stay away. But I can also feel that if you're a good person, but you're not for me. And I will say that I probably keep entertaining people that I know I'm never going to date because sometimes it feels good to be wanted. Okay. And so that I don't mind like a typical a, thing. You're not alone in that. A lot of people do that. I know it's wrong, but they'll say, oh, I'll never hear from you if you don't, if I don't text you first. And I'll be like, that's not true. Let's try it. And then we won't talk for like two weeks. And then I'll send a text. I'm like, oh, how are you doing? And then they'll come back. Wow. That is wrong that I like it, but that is very toxic because I truly should be. One thing I am trying to get better at is I have a hard time hurting people's feelings. In my big age that I know I should be better at this as a grown-ass man, I know that is just something I should do. Hold on. Let, can we rephrase that? Is it that you have a problem with hurting people's feelings or you have a problem setting boundaries? What is it? Is- I don't mind setting boundaries. <sighs> You have a problem hurting people's feelings. That sounds like some kiddie stuff. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I would rephrase that as an adult. Like, what does that I really said, look like? Listen, I just said at my big ass age. So I'm telling you, I know this is a, a kiddie Okay. And so I'm asking you, what does that entail? What does that look like? Hurting people's feelings. Let's paint a picture. When I say that, I'm talking about in this aspect of Instead of just saying, because they're a nice person, instead of just saying, listen, we're not going to date. We're not going to do this. Uh-huh. Yes. I'll just let you keep texting me. And But look, you asked the toxic trait. It's my damn toxic trait. That's the boundary. I'll, I'll, I will lead your ass on a little bit. Yeah, because you don't know how to set boundaries. That's what that sounds like. In a professional setting, yes, you can set boundaries. But in a personal setting, that's when that shit goes awry. You that's what I'm going to let me answer my damn question. Thank you for answering it for me. No. I'm hearing you, and I'm trying to help you answer your question for yourself. You're not going to be a grown man. I'm not going to have... Look, I'm a friend. I'm not going to have you as a grown man. Fine. I have problems setting personal boundaries. Yes, that is what exactly. my therapist tells me all the time. That no is a complete, <laughs> no is a complete sense, okay? Shit! I said it! See? Guard it. Look at me. We working through it. We working through it. I said it. No, it's a complete sentence. Yes, that is literally a statement my therapist literally makes every week for me. No, it's a complete See? sentence. Oh, wow. I ain't trying to be your therapist now. But um, so I'm not what's pay the you most shit, toxic? So. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say this. And, and y'all have seen this. 
on multiple episodes about me. I am a psychoanalyzer. I've actually said this, actually, on the toxic episode, if you want to listen to it. I psychoanalyze a motherfucker real quick. And I feel like that's kind of how I survive. Um, I don't project, but I like to listen to people. I like to get to know people in a deeper way. How I do that is really dissecting every word that they say and figuring out, like, mm, how to rephrase that. How does that sound better to where, because, again, trying to kill the ego, we like to flee ourselves from accountability. As grown adults out here, we love to put the blame on somebody else. What can I listen? I got two questions. Yes. One, is analyzing a, a toxic trait? Because I do that to everybody. Yeah, it is kind of toxic. Oh, I like that aspect of me. I do too. It's not great. Because, again, it doesn't suit you or anybody else. Because nobody wants to be psychoanalyzed. Nobody wants to feel like you probing their whole thought process on who they are. Everybody likes to uphold some level of self that they feel that they are. And so when you challenge that, it's an invasion in a way. Mm. When it comes to establishing that boundary, yeah, we should be more let live and let people do what the hell they're going to do. But no, I'm going to challenge you every step of the way. And I'm going to ask questions and I'm going to see how we can navigate that better because there is some level of care with that. But it is an invasion, though. And that's kind of toxic. Number two is, and I apologize to all his loyal listeners that I'm about to ask this question. But in the previous 64 episodes, because you keep bringing up Virgo and Pisces and Aries and, and Sweet Teas and all this stuff. Uh, <laughs> Which one of these episodes is a Zodiac episode? Because I'm going to go back and listen to that. Why was I I not invited to the Virgo one since you like to do that? Because you don't. You are a typical Virgo. But no, on our horoscope episodes, because you don't listen to this show, you would know that we talk about all the signs and not just Virgo. It's not your world. Okay? I know Virgos typically think that the world revolves around them, but it doesn't. Maybe I'm giving an insight to next time because I want to learn about myself. Tell me about myself. But no, not not today. Don't go into this today. We're not doing that now. I done did enough of me today, man. I done did enough of me today. Absolutely. And I appreciate you stopping by and giving us a little bit of your story and a little bit of your time. Thank you, CJ. You're such a busy man. You know, it's your world we just live in. It's just a blessing to be asked to be Mm -hmm. here, even though, you know, I hate the sound of my voice. So I have no idea how my voice is going to sound over this computer going into this this world. Thank you for inviting me. This is my first time ever doing something like this. Well, I hope it isn't the last. I won't say last, but it, it wasn't It wasn't too bad. They probably can figure out by the time I got to the bottom of this drink of when I started talking more. So they'll probably, they'll probably tell me if I ever get invited back, I probably need to start an hour before Hello. the next podcast. Mm-hmm. So would you like but to no. promote yourself? Or would you like people to vote for you? I know you like this organizational community you know, person stepping under the limelight <laughs> of your father. So no, you don't have to vote for me for anything currently. Okay. Who knows? Who knows what the future holds? But sure, if right. you want to follow me on my Instagram, let me go ahead and preface and say I'm boring. Yeah, you know, he don't post because we've noticed by this garden. I'm not. I'm. You. You'll see a little limelight of my life. So please feel free. You can follow me at, at siege zero six. That's C E E G E zero six. 
on the on the Instagram since I'm old now. On the Instagram in my California old. All right. You can follow us on the Instagram at a whole mood podcast. And also like, subscribe, rate my show anywhere you get your favorite podcast. I'm Alon. That's CJ, a whole mood. Mean Old Lion Media, where black and brown voices truly matter.